Hey there, everybody. This is Daniel Patrick, and welcome to episode number five of the Mandolins and Beer podcast, brought to you in part by the Mandolin Cafe. Here we go with episode number five. That little song there that I was picking through was uh, my take on the Golden Eagle Hornpipe, which I learned from Joe Walsh, today's guest, off of his Peghead Nation course. And this week's episode, episode number five, is sponsored by two wonderful sponsors. Obviously, as I mentioned at the beginning, the Mandolin Cafe. And the other sponsor for this, once again, is Peghead Nation. With Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass, you'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses including beginning mandolin and intermediate mandolin with Sharon Gilchrist, who's going to be a guest on a future episode, Bluegrass Mandolin Jam Favorites and the Advancing Mandolinist with today's guest, Joe K. Walsh. Monroe Style Mandolin with Mike Compton, whom I'm interviewing this week. Melodic Mandolin Tunes with John Reichman. Chord Melody Mandolin with Aaron Weinstein. More on him coming up in just a second. Irish Mandolin with Marla Fibish. And Theory for Mandolin and Fiddle with Chad Manning. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation, and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. There's no plural there. It's MANDOLINBEER, one word. And the courses are awesome. They're really, really easy to use. Again, I've been a been a subscriber there for about a year and a half, and I uh, I love the website, so you should check it out. As I was saying, uh, Joe Walsh, the uh, the guest this week, incredible, and his courses are great. The Advancing Mandolinist is one of my favorites. Aaron Weinstein, um, speaking of our other sponsor, the Mandolin Cafe, Aaron Weinstein has got himself a brand new release coming up, and there's an exclusive interview on the Mandolin Cafe website right on the front page there. And he's got a new album called 3x3. I'm assuming it's 3x3. It could be 3 times 3 But the sample's incredible. Uh, you can pre-order it at Bandcamp. The album comes out in just a few days on September 6th, depending on when you're listening to this. It might already be out. I would highly recommend it, though. Aaron's incredible. If you haven't checked his stuff out before, his, uh, his chord melody stuff is insane. He's also um, uh, actually even more than a mandolinist. I believe he's also even more known in the jazz violin world. So check that out on mandolincafe.com. Once again, proud to have both these people as sponsors. Um, first up, our guest, Joe K. Walsh. Uh, great conversation. What an awesome dude. Um, I did I just enjoyed talking to him. I could have talked to him for for hours. Uh, um, however, just a little bit of bad news. Um, I did notice on Joe's social media this week, his father passed away. So if you could keep the Joe K. Walsh family in your thoughts, um, I'm sure that would be much appreciated. So we'll get to Joe's interview here in just a few minutes. Um, I've got a few people that I want to thank. I've got my Patreon page up. 
And on there, I've got two different uh, two different ways you can support the podcast. I've got the happy hour, which is $4 a month, which is just kind of like a thank you where you can um, donate $4 a month to the podcast and helping it carry on. And I've also got the $8, which is the craft beer level. Um, and I came up with those prices because $4 would get me a, uh, a pint at my local tavern here. Local tavern, it's a bar right down the street. And $8 gets me uh, a non-happy hour beverage. And I want to real quick thank a few people. I want to thank Craig Broadbridge, Daniel Vance, Morgan Burton, Philip Calero, I hope I got that last name right, and Simone Hausler. And she was actually a supporter right after the very first episode. So up there right now, I've got some videos and some tabs, and I've got two more going up there. Um, one of the things I'm going to put up there uh, this week is uh, June Apple in the key of A and B. And also, um, we're going to do some right-hand picking exercises, which is one of the things that Joe Walsh talks about here in his If He Had 10 Minutes Today to Pick Up His Mandolin. Um, that was what he would work on was right hand. And I've got a couple really cool ones for you to check out. That'll be exclusive to the Patreon subscribers. And there's also a few different ways that you can support this, uh, this podcast. Um, you don't have to go to Patreon. You could just click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. That would be awesome. You could tell your friends to subscribe and you could also follow me on Instagram and Facebook or tell your friends to do so. That would be awesome support. And then I also have merch available on my website. If you go to mandolinsandbeer.com, you can get some merch. And now be a great time to get some merch as I am in a hurricane warning here in Charleston, South Carolina. And so I'm sure some of my gigs here are going to be canceled. Actually, I just got back from one here. It's Tuesday, 10 p.m. in the evening on September 3rd. And um, the island that I normally play on on Tuesdays, we usually play 7 to 10 but they were closing it off at 4 p.m. to residents only. Um, that's some serious stuff out there. So we had to get there before 4 p.m. And we played a little bit earlier tonight from 5 o'clock until uh, probably just a little bit after 8. So there were a lot of people out there, which was awesome. People who were battening down and, and going to stay into town as of right now. But um, if you're in Florida or you're listening anywhere where this hurricane is Hurricane Dorian is going to possibly affect you. Um, I'm definitely sending you guys my, my uh, here are my thoughts. I hope everybody makes it out unscathed. This stuff's worst part, worst part about living in the South, but it is what it is. And um, man, the Bahamas took a, uh, a pounding. So hopefully everybody there, um, if you're listening in the Bahamas, um, uh, hope everything is okay in your world there. Um, and while also while editing this podcast and working on some stuff, I did drink a Bell's, the double-hearted IPA. And just um, props to to Bell's. I used to live in Michigan, and Oberon is one of my favorite beers. I always look forward to, forward to it during the springtime. And this double IPA is great stuff. So way to go, Bell's. Um, all right, let's get in to the podcast. Joe Walsh, what a humble guy. Super humble. He's the first mandolin player to be accepted into Berkeley School of Music. So, I mean, I guess that just goes to say a little bit about how incredible of a player he is. And as I said earlier, what a just a great guy to talk to. He was he was incredible. So go check out Joe's stuff. Follow him on social media. He's got a couple CDs out there solo that you can buy. He's got a CD out there with Mr. Sun and potentially a new Mr. Sun album coming out as well. 
And um, if you check those things out or if you follow them, tell them Dan from Mandolins of Beer sent you. And uh, let's just get into this podcast here. Thank you guys so much for all the people who are listening and subscribing, who are sending messages. Um, Again, I say it every week, but I'm just blown away by the amount of listens and the amount of incredible messages. As a matter of fact, one of the messages I got this week was from Mike Marshall. Um, That was a stunner. Mike's going to be on a future podcast here. I'm actually interviewing him this week, assuming the weather stays good here. So cheers everybody thank you for listening please hit subscribe follow me on the social medias go to patreon and hope you guys have a great week here's joe walsh and now i'd like to welcome to the podcast mr joe walsh joe how you doing today oh i'm i'm doing pretty good thanks for having me man thank you for doing it and taking the time i appreciate it for real um where you at today i'm i'm at home uh, which these days is in boston mass i'm in, in jamaica plain oh nice Boston, you know, it's yeah. uh, it's interesting in the last few podcasts, there's a, a lot of talk of, you know, everybody thinks about Nashville as, as such a musical rich community, but Boston has got like a pretty incredible acoustic music scene uh, totally. as well. Yeah. And, and um, it's it's been incredible. It's, it's kind of funny because it's incredible. It's always incredible, but there's always, it's always changing too. It's one of these places where it's kind of a large transient thing going on. Oh, no kidding. So, well, you know, a lot of, a lot of young people move here and 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 work really hard on their craft and start a band and then eventually they move to New York or yeah yeah <laughs> Nashville <laughs> yeah, yeah. it does see you know it, uh, New York surprisingly is um seems to be a lot of people uh the bluegrass scene there seems to be really kind of happening totally, totally which is great to yeah. see so absolutely some really really inspiring players there you know it, just even from the mandolin world uh you know Maddie and and Jake of course oh yeah. Andy Statman. Yeah. Oh, Andy Statman's new album's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a, it, and talk about a guy you never know what to expect on each release. It's always like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be good, but it could be any, any number of things going on. I, 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 when I think about him, I think about like, like for anybody that wants to like mess with the recipe of bluegrass at all, which yeah. is definitely where I fall, like messing with it a little bit. Sure. I really appreciate that he was out there like, you know, cutting the path and and, 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 and breaking the wind a little bit uh, for the rest of us. Yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, the, the, the community itself as we spoke earlier, it's pretty great, but the, uh, there are, there are, is definitely a lot of controversies of, around certain things of, you know, there's people who are just straight up, if it's not traditional, they don't have time for it. You know what I mean? Which is, uh, which I find sure, is, sure. which I find is so funny. I mean, I completely understand it because if you love something, you love something. Um, but I think a lot of the stuff is based around, you know, I mean, I mean, again, if it wasn't for Bill Monroe, I, a lot of these players that are playing some of that really out there stuff today wouldn't even, you know, they wouldn't be doing it. it was all oh, a lot of it sure. based right upon that you know and yeah for sure and and i mean my feeling is you can you can choose what you want to listen to and what you you know it doesn't i don't need to talk anybody into listening to me or anybody else whatever but you know it is when it gets to be saying well you can't do that that's what that's right. what i chafe at a little bit yeah yeah i remember a boy it was a while ago and um you know, uh, you know, message boards could be crazy, and I love you know the Mandolin Cafe is just one of the sure. the greatest uh, 
resources for mandolin out there and you know some people get on there and I, I forget what was years ago somebody had posted uh, Thiele doing something I mean it was incredible but it was like at you know just ridiculous speed and you know somebody's like ah oh, that guy's just terrible I'm like that, that's one that's one thing you can't say <laughs> you know what I mean like totally. he's not terrible you can't I mean you could say you don't like it but you can't say he's terrible. I mean, the guy's so talented and gifted. Right. That's that's just that's that's out of line. <laughs> yeah, I can get I can get you don't like it, but to say that he's terrible is um, that's just that's like factually totally. incorrect. <laughs> well, I, I, similarly, I had a student. You know what's interesting is a lot of the young young uh, mandolin players that are coming up. I, you can't take for granted that that they know Grisman or listen to him, which is was a shock to me. Sure, because to me, Grisman is like for where it all started. Oh yeah. And so to realize that some of these kids don't haven't really dug into him is just mind blowing. But anyways, I had this one student and I, and he said, well, I don't, I don't like, I don't like Grisman. And I was like, well, oh. <laughs> why? <laughs> and he said, well, I don't like his tone or his tremolo. And you're like, Whoa. Nope. Yeah. That actually factually incorrect. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, I can prove that is incorrect just by, you're mistaken. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's interesting to think too. I mean, because again, I guess it's like any style of music, you know, like some of these kids that are coming up and that's maybe they've all they've, all they've listened to is Thiele and then and Jake and like all these guys who are incredible. And, and they probably don't realize necessarily that Thiele and Jake also have a big background in learning the foundations and the roots of where sure, all this sure. stuff came from. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting just to hear, like, to think that somebody is going to begin playing something like from Nickel Creek or from the Punch Brothers. I mean, that's not that there's anything wrong with that. I, I can't imagine how amazing that person is probably going to be. It, um, but at the same time, sure, it's bizarre sure. to think that, you know, somebody might not listen to Bill Monroe or David Grisman or, or say, or say, yeah, their, yeah. Their tremolo is bad. All, <laughs> it all starts with Nickel Creek, you know, or, yeah. or that sort of thing. And that's, and that's, there's certainly a lot of people that, that that sort of describes where like that's where the mandolin world started for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's where it started for me. Oddly enough, on a weird, just a weird way about. Uh, it was just like a I'd been on like a uh, contest that was like a television show called Nashville Star years ago, and I won oh. like the regional rounds. But I wasn't really a country music person. I mean, I loved like George Jones and Merle Haggard, but when I won the round that I was in, nobody was doing any of that stuff. They were doing like Shania Twain and all this modern country stuff. And I'm like, I don't know any of this. Oh. And I stopped at a target and I just went to the country section and I'm like, I don't know what to get. And I just looked and, and um, it was nickel creeks. This side um, was on the rack. I'm like, well, this cover looks cool. They're in the country. It says new. <laughs> and so I just bought it, you know, and um, in the first and here song, you are. yeah. And here I am. First song was smoothie song. And I'm like, what? is this. <laughs> So it took me, but then I also realized like, you know, digging back, I'm like, all right, well, there's Bill Monroe. I'd heard the name a bunch, knew he played mandolin. So I went right back to that and I was like, oh my God, this, this guy's incredible too, you know? And so totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm always curious about like, if I like so-and-so, 
why do they play like themselves or who, who, who are they trying to play like? And then what does that lead to? Exactly. You know, so speaking, so, so speaking, this is a great segue. So what is it that got you into mandolin? How did, what's a little bit of your background to start here? Uh, dog. Yeah. Grisman. I mean, uh, you know, somebody in high school played me the uh, first DGQ record. Oh, wow. And I was like listening to all the spoke music, like Anita Franco, and whatever. And that one just sort of like just lit a fire, and I I, I just couldn't uh, I couldn't get it out of my head. So I bought a mandolin and just started working on it. Man, that's a and, good. I, and, I I don't know anybody in my high school could have would even know David Grisman. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's awesome. What a what a great age to be turned on to that. So had you totally. played had you played music before that? Yeah, we, you know, I uh, played piano from a young age, and and that certainly helps, you know, having music in your ear and and some sort of fundamental understanding. Yeah. So then, from that point, you get the Grisman, you buy a mandolin, you just start woodshedding. Do you start a band right away? Do you? Uh... Yeah, I start woodshedding, and, and you know, this is back in the day where you know, uh, kids would have a harder time to appreciate how hard it was to find mandolin music. I know it was easier for me than it was, say, for people of my generation. But you know, I'd go to the the Barnes and Noble and look through the, the, the record bin and, Oh, this person has a mandolin. Maybe I'll just give it a try. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, you couldn't really use the internet in the same way. No, for sure. I remember, I remember buying a Manzanita cause it said, uh, Grisman was on the record. Oh. So I brought home the record and I opened it and Grisman's like only on one track. Right. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, who is this Sam Bush jerk? What is this? Right, yeah. <laughs> but, and then of course, mind boggling music and, and totally life changing record. So just, yeah, just working my way through all the collaborators like everybody does. Oh, this person played with so-and-so. Okay, better check their stuff out. And mm-hmm. Gradually, you sort of, you know, learn, learn about most of what's going on with the mandolin. Right, right. Yeah, Sam Bush, that's a good way to, uh, to, to be surprised by David not being on a, an album. And, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> T- totally. Yeah, that's awesome. So did you um did is that did you have like a particular album that then was was it the 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 Grisman one was that the one that was like your biggest rotation for a while or did you have something that was just like just well you, you know what was nice is that like so that stuff just felt so unattainable so so actually like listening to the Garcia Grisman stuff mm-hmm. you could sort of take it apart a little easier yeah. and like understand what was going on so I spent a lot of time with that record and the uh, the Shady Grove and and. And, and, and that, that, that part of the catalog where you can actually, even as like a beginner, start to learn a few of the melodies. Right. Beaches in the summertime. Whereas like on the DGQ stuff, it's just, 
it just felt so unattainable for so many years. Yeah, for sure. It still does sometimes, I think, to me, you know, as, yeah. as many years I played. And it's funny, too. I think I um, I, I had Shady Grove was probably my first Grisman CD. Um, and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, and again, it seems attainable in a way like you're at least, you know, because the melodies are so pretty, like getting that tone and that feel is one thing. You know, you can play along with it and then sounding like dog is a whole other thing. But at least you can totally, be like, oh, totally. man, I picked that. I picked up the melody to Shady Grove here. And, uh, you know, sure. and then you go out and get so I'm like, oh, I'll get some more David Grisman stuff. And you're like, oh, man. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. So Whoa. much great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so much incredibly difficult stuff. You're just like, wow. <laughs> you know, totally. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have any influences that you uh, that you listen to that you, that people might be surprised that you uh, that you are also a big fan of? When I'm home, I mostly listen to like it. It, it seems to be almost all like records with jazz piano. So oh, no kidding. I don't know if that's a surprise or not, but but to me, like that that sort of improvising is what's holding my interest the most these days. That or like Bill Frizzell. Oh yeah. Or like jazz guitarists. Yeah. I think so that a Bill Frizzell documentary coming out is there not? Did I see that somewhere, or did one no, just come right. out? It, it, it came out, and I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been like saving it for a year to tell I could okay. watch it with somebody who likes Bill Frizzell. Oh, nice! Me, but... <laughs> yeah, I did, you know what? I think I just might have put that in my queue. Like I had a uh, one of those things where I didn't watch anything but trailers on my <laughs> on my TV, and I'm pretty sure that's one of them I put in my queue to watch. So he, he's great. Yeah, I mean, to me, like I find it really fascinating. There's a wider variety of rhythmic phrasing mm-hmm. and and pacing in improvisation i think in like say the jazz piano or or, or jazz guitar world mm-hmm. and i find that a lot pretty inspiring yeah. listening to uh folks outside of the the mandolin world uh and then trying to emulate some of that that's awesome what's uh who's who's a piano player that you really uh gravitate towards keith jarrett oh yeah what a what a monster It's all like, it's all one of the, it's that it's that beautiful thing where you can't predict what he's gonna do, but after he does it, it feels, re- you know, retroactively intuitive. Yeah, that's, that's so... to me that's what you want. Right. I love um speaking of jazz piano players that Brad Meldow. I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name correctly or not. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Um, but he's his amazing. his version of Blackbird with his trio. The best. Oh, I could listen. Just... To, I, I every time I hear it, I hear something new. It is ridiculous, and the way he starts it, and it's just so melodic and kind of sparse and but where he goes with it is yeah and and they, and they, and there's something really cool in the arrangement of that where uh the bass player larry grenadier doesn't doesn't play anything but g for the first like minute and a half amazing like it's cool to tune into that and then be like oh that's a really simple concept we could do and, and replicate elsewhere that's it and it really is so effective yeah yeah it's uh 
that yeah, that's an incredible version of that song. And, and I love the Beatles, and so I'm always pretty pretty picky about listening to any sort of Beatles cover, and that one blows my mind. <laughs> we cut that. Um, I have this band called Mr. Sun yeah. with Grant Gordy and, and, and Daryl Anger yes. and uh, Aidan O'Donnell. And, and we have this record that we just cut recently that we haven't figured out when we're going to put it out, but that's on it. We actually did a, a take on Brad Meadows, take on, on, on Blackbird. No way. We'll see. We'll oh, see if it makes it out there. I'm man. hoping it does soon. Well, I can shoot you an email address if it doesn't want to make it out publicly, I'll be. <laughs> I would love to hear it. Uh, Grant Gordy's Pterodactyl is another album that um, f- uh, blew my mind for a long time um, yeah. when he put that out. You know, and I, Is that Dominic me, Leslie, I think, on there? Is that Dominic and Alex Hargraves oh, yeah, and, and yeah. Paul. That's like if you were looking to have an heir to the DGQ uh, thing for our generation. Yeah. It's got to be that record. That's just, so good. Yeah. actually emailed them and bought the charts off them <laughs> oh cool yeah i was like i was like holy cow i need to uh this is this is i'm so inspired by this right now and and then you know although i probably would have learned more just sitting down by ear and trying to figure it all out but Man. at the time i was also working you know 55 hours a week and you wow. know just trying to play mandolin it was before now i now i play mandolin full time for the last two and a half years i guess so well just awesome. pretty great I'm pretty lucky but it, you know I could definitely understand people who who are looking for tabs or want stuff tabbed out because they want that. I mean, they want to learn something and they might not have, you know, the time that like, Man, I have to do something. I completely understand. And those Grant tunes, like, you want a chart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In my experience, like, you, you know, having learned a lot of his tunes, you definitely want a chart. You, you're going to be out to sea yeah, without for one. Yeah, sure. That's my experience. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's so good, man. So, be, so obviously, before you started playing with Grant, you you probably played with some other bands. So, what was after you started playing and you you started some bands? Where did you grow up? I'm from Minnesota. Oh, no kidding. So, I'm from yeah. I'm from Michigan. So, oh yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So then you did you start playing in Minnesota? Or did you move away and start yeah. playing? Or yeah, I had no intention of of making a career out of this. I was just kind of doing odd jobs. I was a bike messenger and driving a truck and all kinds of various things in Minneapolis. And there's a really cool community at um, the Homestead Pickin' Parlor in, in Richfield. Huh. And, and so I just started going there every week and made some friends and just, it was just a social thing. I played, you know, a couple days a week with just people around town and it's, and it was a really supportive community. That's awesome. And then, you know, at some point it's like you start making a little money and, and that's nice. And, and, you know, it, it was sort of like at some point I was making enough money where I was like started to think about getting a lot more serious about it. Yeah. So, so what's the so what's the move from Minnesota? Well, I did come out. I went out to I went out to Berkeley. Oh, okay. Uh, the music school. So, nice. um, so I came out and, and started this band called Joy Kill Sorrow with a bunch of my buds.
was a good band. You know, I think it was it was a lot better band. Um, bizarrely enough, after I was in, after I left the band. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. I, correlation. I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, I highly it, doubt it, it. I highly that's. Uh... It it it, it kind of got a sense of itself after you know once it had been a band a little bit longer than when I was in it. Mm-hmm. So. And I quit them to join uh, this this bluegrass band called the Gibson Brothers. Yeah, actually, that is where I first became familiar with your playing. Oh, okay. Gibson Gibson Brothers CD and seeing your name on there. And that first yeah. thinking like, oh, Joe Walsh from the Eagles? I'm sure you never get that. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, man, I get it. I, I, I've gotten it once or twice. <laughs> yeah, if the uh, banks would confuse that, that'd probably be pretty rad, I would guess. It's like, even just like one, one, one direct deposit, you know what I mean? From like one, totally. one show would probably be pretty sweet. <laughs> I, I met him once. He, he was at school and, and I went up and met him. And, and, and it, was, it was cool talking with him. And then his his wife gave me the the weirdest Joe Walsh joke I had gotten yet. So oh she, no way! I said, "Hey, it's great to meet you." And she said, "Oh, it's great to meet you. It's great to be married to you." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah. So um, so the Gibson Brothers it was kind of started hitting the road then and. Yeah, yeah, the Gibson Brothers uh, was definitely a ramp up. You know, I'd been in other road bands before, but the, the that was like a a full time thing, and it was all over the country and then Europe a bunch. So that was sort of a big, uh, a big uh, just uh, you know ramp up in in, in busyness and seriousness. And, and those guys were very inspiring in in in, in how good they are at putting on a show. So oh, to me, it was like great. a good opportunity to like really be a lot better i guess is, how does is that way to say it. how's the gig come about to you is it kind of like a berkeley connection was it because they'd heard you from joy Kilsaro or somebody you knew how did there's a good there's a couple of folks here in new england that that recommended me to them because oh, cool. they're actually from upstate new york okay yeah i was about was my next question was are they i didn't think they were from the nashville area but i wasn't sure where they were from so kind of kind of the same neck of the woods not not exactly but Right, yeah, yeah. Not, they're within striking distance. Nice. Yeah, it was cool. I, I liked I liked playing with them. It feels like, you know, I got a chance to play with our version of the Stanleys or oh yeah, so, something like that. Where like kind of a historic thing. Yeah, for sure. For There's something about that that brother harmony thing as well that is just f- freakishly totally. uh, freakishly uh close <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah no i mean they're amazing and, and 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 being like right in the mix with him i got to know that idea it's like fascinating because they don't sound like each other if you hear them individually no kidding. but yet they blend fantastically so it's, it was a, it was kind of a revelation to, to to see that yeah wow that's awesome and harmony vocals man for me i love i mean as i love mandolin but the other thing that gets me in any type of music right away is killer harmonies you know and now it's a bit totally. tricky because with all the computer tricks that you can you know you can melodyne or auto-tune the heck out of any performance and have great sounding harmonies but you know yeah you, but those just, guys can yeah they can do it yeah and they were doing it before <laughs> yeah they were doing it before any of that stuff was easily accessible you know so 
Um, that's the other great thing. So, and then, so how long were you in the Gibson brothers for? I think five years, maybe. Nice. Like that. Nice. Yeah. Now what's the, what's the next, what's the next step for you after that? Um, I started a band that, that band called Mr. Sun with Daryl and Grant. Teardrop started, they ran and flowed. And I sat and pondered, thought the dreams I squandered. And I finally wondered why it should be so. There's a lot of fish in the ocean, a lot of stars in the blue. And I got an ocean, I can live without you. I'm gonna quit my crying and did a bunch of playing and then i put out a record of my own did and, and brought a band on the road for a year or two. Oh no kidding um, I, yeah the first album which is called i'm sorry i should have wrote it down here but i was running running in from <laughs> packing a no trailer. no you're good they're, they're, uh, the first one is, is is called Saturday Night Waltz, but that one's harder to find than, oh, than okay. the one that some people think is the first one, which is Sweet Loam. That's Sweet Loam is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. And then there's one after that called Borderland. Borderland. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I've got that one as well. Yeah. Both phenomenal. And it's funny because – not funny, but I mean your, your speaking voice is you have a very conversational singing style. Ah, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like Tim <laughs> O'Brien, I would say, is another guy who's also got – who, whose voice I really, really like too, is um, very conversational. And so talking conversational. to you, conversational. Yeah, that's the, that's the, such a great word. I mean, like, isn't that what you want out of your music? Absolutely. Yeah, it makes I think it makes a story. It makes a story, uh, see, or a story song definitely seem much more. Um, like I, I just tend to seem to follow along with it a little bit more than. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's almost like being told to you in a way. And and as an instrumentalist, or or, or like even on you know, in, in, instrumentals or, or improvisation to me, like that's the goal is to play conversationally. Yeah. To, to leave space for other people and, and be open to, uh, wherever it might lead if you surrender control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great point. So how do you, in it's so how do you do, how do you find yourself approaching uh, music that way? Cause that's one thing I think that people, especially in like bluegrass jams, it seems like it would be something that would be more prevalent, you know, because it's really, everybody kind of takes a turn and it doesn't always necessarily work out where anybody's really listening. I think where they're more worried about their break coming up. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? But maybe what's, what's a way that you kind of approach it to, uh, to, to advice wise to give to somebody who's out there and just trying to learn and trying to be more open and interesting, well, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be willing to sound bad. Uh, That's been a theme be on this podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is true. It's if you, you know, if, um, the, the thing that we, that's come up on every one of these podcasts is the guys who go for it aren't afraid to fall on their face. And that's what makes them, Guys and gals, I should say, um, yeah, yeah. the people who go for it and and aren't worried about pay, playing perfectly, they get to those magic moments and totally it, uh, where other people, if you're holding back, you're not you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, and as you say, like with like all the studio trickery, perfection is 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 attainable in a sense uh, these days. But like there's there's a number of records where you could you could say they're perfect, but you don't find yourself going back to them. Right. 
Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite records is is Hank Jones and Charlie Hayden playing a bunch of you know hymns and in duets, and like it's so beautiful. And then you you listen, and sometimes they're not actually hitting the downbeat at the exact same time. <laughs> right. Okay, right. Which yeah. like you'd think that'd be a deal breaker, but apparently, you know the humanity is still in there and, and maybe that, maybe that's a part of it. Yeah. Well, I think people can feel real. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, obviously people can definitely feel manufactured. I mean, people, sure. you know, yeah. um, but at the same time, some people just don't care. I mean, that's what seems to sell is that manufactured stuff. But for me, I can, you really, I think you can really find the authenticity if you just open your ears for a minute. And even if it's not a perfect performance, um, totally. And there's also totally. the other end of that, though, too, where people say they're, you know, try to try to sell authenticity by laziness. <laughs> 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 you know, that's good enough. <laughs> you know, I think I think there's a portion of the audience uh, uh, that, that that likes that will grant you this opportunity to take a risk. I, I, and that won't I begrudge you. I agree. That's great. That's a great point. And hearing it from somebody like you who plays in such incredible projects. I think that's important for people to hear, you know, cause I think it's a, a lot of setbacks. I mean, me included, um, you know, until I was willing to be like, all right, everybody starts somewhere and just go out there and do it. Um, totally. and realize you can have totally. those setbacks and those setbacks are what help you grow. That's how you grow in everything. You know, if everything was perfect, nobody'd grow and, you know, and, and totally. in music especially. Yeah. And, and it's always valuable to appreciate that. I mean, I don't, Maybe there's a musician out there that doesn't hasn't hasn't felt low and hasn't felt like tremendously you know uh, uh, frustrated by the setbacks. Right. But I don't know them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I and don't... the opportunity I've had to get a window into my heroes, you know, uh, thoughts on their playing and stuff. You know, everybody struggles with feel, feeling confident and comfortable and and at peace. Yeah. So, What's the what's one piece of advice you've gotten from from being act to having access to some of these heroes like that? What's one piece of advice that's really stuck with you playing wise through all these years? It might not be literal advice, because mm -hmm. uh, but but I, but one thing that I take away is just the people that I that I have worked with that I and that I think of as heroes. Mm -hmm. They sound like themselves. You know, they don't. Yeah. Like obviously, like Daryl Anger can play like. He can play, you know, anybody's tunes or anybody's solos, but he always sounds like himself, and that's why I listen to him. Yeah, not it's not a downside. So the same with like Danny Barnes, like Danny Barnes, spectacular musician, mm -hmm. but he 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 always sounds like himself. He, yeah. he never would mistake him for, you know, any other banjo player. But that doesn't need to be a downside. In fact, it's a big upside. Absolutely. Yeah, I and, agree. And, that was a big revelation for me once I realized, even though I was failing to sound like, like the people that I wanted to sound like, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it wasn't working on another level. Sure. So this will be maybe a little bit of a tougher question, but how do you find your own sound? For you particular, not not in general, what? just like for you, what's a way that you were like, okay, you know, like, I, you know, I... I I emulate, I love these guys, but I don't want to necessarily emulate these guys. I want to find Joe Walsh's sound in this. Well, that's a, yeah. You start to have faith in your own um, your own uh, decision making in the moment instead of trying to approximate somebody else's. It's like uh, there's probably a phase where we all go through where we try and speak in a way that that approximates somebody else's manner of speaking. You know, whether mm -hmm. it's their sense of humor or uh, timing. And at some point, 
you just sort of relax into yourself, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely been the case with music is like, you know, there's things where I've tried to approximate what I thought somebody would want to hear mm-hmm. or, or what, what whoever I was playing with might have a perception of what works. And, but then you start to remember, Oh, they hired me because they know what I do right. and they like that. Yeah. That's... So get out of your own way, you know, mm-hmm. get out of your own way. That's great. That's a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's hard, but that's a great, you know, just some, the, yeah. the, the old, you think you stink sometimes. I've always been, that's always my one thing. The minute I try to think about doing something, it's like, especially live, it's just like, yeah. oh no, <laughs> it was a bad idea. I thought about it. Just kind of try to, you know. Realizing that if I was actually consciously trying to think about what I was going to do in a, in a stage situation, it usually, it usually was counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's where all that you know, practicing, I guess, comes in and, and the hammering out, you know, when people are like, oh, scales. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, the scales aren't there for you to just rely on when you're when you're playing, but you get to know the sound and the feel of them. And then when you're in the totally. midst of doing something, the idea is the muscle memory and whatever just kind of suddenly kicks into kicks into a gear that you didn't realize you had. And it's like, totally, you know, and like most of my gigs are like three hours, I would say, usually five to seven days a week, you know, and wow. it's pretty rare that you find those moments, you know what I mean? It's like you would like to think that, oh, it's just going to be magic every night, <laughs> every every song. Right. You know, well, you really, right, like, right. you know, if I really were to sit down and write notes afterwards, um, it might be rare to even go three hours without being like, ugh, just recycled everything again. It's the same stuff. But there's those times, though, when you get that one moment, you're like, whoo, there it was. <laughs> Where'd so, that come totally. from, you know? And it's, suddenly it's in your vocabulary. And uh, that's... I, that's my favorite part of playing. I think that whole thing about saying, you know, that, that inner critic where you say, well, I'm recycling all this same stuff and, and, and this impatience with yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty valuable. You know, like yes, if sir. we didn't get tuned into our own boredom, yeah, the music that we would be making would not be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, so I, I agree. 100%. That's, that's, that's on our side. So how do you do So you deal with, um, with, with teaching and with students, you do all these camps um, and obviously, I mean, the reason why you do these camps is, is obvious because you're, you're such a great player and you, you have your own Thank voice. You. Oh, yeah, uh, no problem. But what are, what are yeah. some things that you find, you know, especially like at maybe camps where you have a larger group of people that might be, you know, a little bit beginner levels? Is there like a I mean, I guess it's everybody's got their own things, but some advice, I guess, for players of all levels, like maybe pick grip or pick direction, just some things that you see that you're like, okay, this is a pretty common thing I discuss that seems to help people. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pick direction, of course, uh, you, they, it's rare when you encounter somebody that hasn't heard about it a little bit, but obviously, yeah, down on the beat, up on the offbeat mm-hmm. is, is crucial. And, 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 and there's many situations where you might want to break from that, but as a, as you know, for a while, you want to treat it like there's no situation. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. Yeah. And uh, okay, go the, ahead. The, the other thing I would say is like to me, the thing the tension with teaching is that I think people like instant gratification. You know, people mm-hmm. like. I think that's why people learn licks. Uh, but to me, like what I always, to me, the most valuable thing is is encouraging people to think about. Uh, note relationships to chords and, 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 and always being aware of, 
oh, this is a third against this chord, or this is a ninth, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that's maybe the most valuable thing, which is less, you know, obviously less instant gratification, but it's the more widely applicable and empowering mm-hmm. uh, concept. So I'm always trying to push people in that direction sure. to, to 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 just be aware of. Uh, the relationship of the note they're choosing mm-hmm. to the underlying harmonic situ- situation. Yeah. Do you, so do you have a uh, like um, uh, a way you recommend players who are like, well, how do you how do you go about doing that? Is there a especially again, and not necessarily people to play like for me. One of the things I first learned was like when soloing on a song you didn't know. You know, the a, a good point from my end anyway if i'm playing with somebody who i haven't really played with before is to play the melody kind of stick to the melody for solos you know what i mean and sure. i always found so yeah, it's yeah. either the first the third or the fifth most of the time like you know you, you, if you start here you're gonna find you're usually gonna find not always but you're usually gonna find um find the, the beginning of the melody and then go from there that was one sure. thing that i always yeah. kind of did but is there you know is there a way that you recommend when you're when you're teaching that well yeah so like let's say you took any old one four five song Mm-hmm. Uh, the beautiful, the beautiful thing about thinking of it in terms of numbers, as as I'm sure you and lots of folks know, is is you know whatever you whatever deductions you make in one key, they, it applies in every other key. So right. if I let's say you're playing one four five in in G, and you and you decide let's just play G through all these chords, you can articulate the relationship uh, that that note has to each of those chords. Mm-hmm. So it's G, of course, is one against one, and you know. Uh, it's the the fifth against the C chord and it's the the fourth against the five chord. Mm-hmm. So then starting to associate, okay, well, in every key, the one, the first note has this consonant relationship with the one chord and, and a different consonant relationship with the four chord. And then a, a slightly ajar, but not bad relationship with the five chord. You could do that with every note of the scale, right? Mm-hmm. You could sure. do that with two, three, four. And it's not that many notes. It's only seven notes. Uh, so, before long, you could have categorized each of those relationships in most of the harmonic situations we encounter in most of these tunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that that'd be one thing I would do. The other thing I would do is say, "Oh, let's let's have a, a moment where instead of freely improvising, you just uh, practice improvising lines that that connect you to say the third of every chord." Oh, there so, you go. Yeah. Uh, here I am playing G, C, and D. And at the beginning of the G chord, I land on B on every time. And at the beginning of the C chord, I land on E. And at the beginning of the D chord, is F sharp. But you could do that, of course, with the fifth or the... And if you, as you get comfortable, it's valuable to be able to find the ninth on every chord or the right. sixth. Or, and, and, and being able to, you know, categorize this sound and then know where to find it is pretty tremendously valuable. Yeah, and I find... I, even simple things like, if, you know, like G, C, and D, for instance, which is, again, a lot of things. But even just finding, like, taking the time, even you know, slowly to have a progression G, C, and D, and then just play the G major scale over it, and then the C major scale over the C, and then the D major scale. Even just to start, like, even if you just did that, you're, sure. you're soloing. Inst- like, you would listen to yourself and be like, oh, wow, I you know what? I, this, I sound like I kind of know what I'm doing, because at least you're kind of sure, leading. Sure. You know, it's not just, you know just randomly playing notes you suddenly you're like oh well these notes kind of fall over this and then you also find notes that well that one sounds different you know and but but cool different, yeah you know and then next thing you know you're like yeah. oh, i'm gonna th- drop this in there every now and again yeah i'm glad you use the word different <laughs> <laughs> you know sometimes yeah. there's a, there's these music teaching you know uh books or whatever that say this is right and this is wrong oh right and, yeah. and i definitely prefer to encourage people to say 
okay, this has this relationship and this has a different relationship, like you say. Yeah. And and they're both valuable. Absolutely. Sometimes it's just something great about a different note. You know, I mean, that's totally. what definitely turns my ear. Um, it's it's not, you know, sometimes it's not always the best over, you know, a super pretty song. It might be like, ah, that might have been a bad note. But, but whenever I hear that, I'm always like, wow, there's somebody's, you know, just being courageous <laughs> you know like oh, i'm yeah. gonna listen a little bit more there's this uh that was that was a cool note choice was it intentional totally. was it an accident but it's going to get me to listen you know yeah like, i mean i think for me like looking back at who i listen to and what they have in common there's there's definitely an element of surprise if i can if i can you know ahead of time guess exactly what's going to happen in every moment mm-hmm. i'm probably not going to listen to that record right yeah yeah, that's great. Well, you kind of see that in a little bit of the, in the projects you play with. I mean, you play with with some with some great groups of people, and and even your solo stuff. Your your solo stuff. Well, I would say it's probably, and I hope I'm not misstating this, but I would I would think it's probably the definitely more traditional sounding than say Mr. Sun. Sure, um, absolutely. Um, yeah. But at the same time, though, even um, the first track off Sweet Loam, which has a real a real cool intro, but like a, a I want to say a different count, but it's just got a different feel. Like it's like, oh, I mean, it's not as straight as forward as, as you would expect it to be. Right, right. For such a catchy, for such a catchy song. But there ain't no one like you, honey. Ain't no one like you. There's girls to dance and pain to sing. Know all about the spiritual things. They'd be glad to show me too But there ain't no one like you Ain't no one like you Yeah If I'm saying that right, that's not insulting, I hope Because I mean it as a compliment, you know what I mean? But No, absolutely To me, you know, I definitely fall in the camp of like It's all music Mm -hmm. And I don't really worry too much about is it this or is it that? It's just, it's music. And like, as a, as a, someone who wants to put on a record or put on a concert, like the best we can do is decide what sounds good to us and then present that. Yeah, that's great. So going back to Sweet Loam here, just real quick while we're talking about your playing and, and um, uh, Ain't No One Like You, which is the right. song that, which I love that. And that's, again, um, I'd heard your Gibson Brothers stuff before, but then this song, and I can't remember where I heard it from, but I was instantly like, I buying that album today <laughs> well it's just like this is a this is a great song you know i mean your voice the playing i was like yeah, this is everything i kind of look for and and um and stuff and it awesome yeah and so and the other thing i thought was interesting is i i love your version of hold what you got on it Which is, oh yeah, with the Gibson singing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is there a reason that you picked that song of all those songs? Um, You also do um, "I Shall Be Released" on there, correct? Right. Yeah. Which is a really Um, good version as well, and not an easy song. There's a lot of, lot of, um, a lot of versions of that song that I could probably stand to skip over. And um, yours, yours gets the, uh, yours gets a listen every time. (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah.
Um, you know, I just always like that, like like uh, going back to Manzanita. Mm-hmm. Oh, what you got was there, and 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 I always liked that the Gibson sang that one. Yeah. And then it was fun to get them in the studio with Daryl, and 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 you know, Daryl just had the, had the idea of harmonizing. I guess it was Ricky Skaggs solo on Manzanita. I don't recall who played fiddle on that one. I think it was Skaggs. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure either right off the top of my head. And I'm definitely and, on this podcast not going to commit. <laughs> the, the, the emails would come rolling in. Oh. Well, somebody, somebody, somebody buy a shirt? Nope. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I'm yeah. sorry. So anyway, Skaggs is in the, the fiddle solo on that. I just dug it, and, and he and Clayton uh, harmonized it. It just seemed to all work out pretty easily. I, you know, some things, sometimes you go into the studio expecting to want to record, you probably know this, record one thing and, 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 and have a perception that it's all going to work, and sometimes you're just more open in the studio and see what works, and that was one of those cases. That's awesome. Did you have anything, on, like, on your own? So I, I'm assuming, because, you know, going to Berkeley, um, that you make charts and probably have a good idea of um, – composition how before it's all gonna go down yeah you know like compositionally like okay i kind of have an idea what i want to hear but is there anything that you went in there and you were it just came out completely beyond expectations from what you had even expected? yeah yeah it's funny going back to that whole con- concept of conversational playing to me part of that in buying into that the concept is that that i don't really want to come in and have written parts for everybody and and mm-hmm. tell them what to do right to me it's more like uh, I, I kind of think of a, a tune as being almost like a topic of discussion and then everybody gets to, to lead it and weigh in. So uh, generally speaking, so I'm going into the studio on Monday and this would be a great example. Oh, nice. Uh, we all have like, we've all, you know, we'll all bring charts and, and a sense of, you know, some ideas of what should happen, but mostly it's going to be pretty open-ended. And, 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 the, and the, to me, like you also want the group to buy in mm-hmm. and a, as a side man, you know, you also want to have a little space to, to do a little crafting. So I always like to leave as much space as possible for the people I'm working with. Yeah, that's great. But I think it also, it's people's voices and opinions. And like, I, I love skeletons of songs um, because it's always, you never know what somebody else is going to think. And there's like that magic of like, oh, you know, what we could try here that, you know, like, well, oh, I would have never thought of that. You know? Totally. Yeah. And, and uh, which is my favorite part of like songwriting is the stuff. It's tough as it is. I mean, I always find anyway that lack of confidence that's so prevalent in my musician life, <laughs> you know, is like, uh, this song's probably terrible. So I have a hard enough time uh, usually breaking it out to people. But once I get past that and then opening it up to ideas, that's always like a pretty amazing process. And if you find the right people, especially, totally. you know, the, the process is um, magical. Not to, not to be cheesy, but it's, you know, it definitely has its no, moments it's, to do it's that. A, it's a special thing. I don't take it for granted. Yeah, same here. Same here. Yeah, the minute you do, it uh, seems like it'd be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's go to gear. Um, I believe you just purchased a, a new mandolin. Am I am I correct in saying that? Oh, I thought you I thought you said deer. <laughs> oh, deer. Yeah, well, we can talk about deer. I mean, we're no, both no. from like the Midwestish kind of areas. We probably, you know, it's deer. Totally. No, but I do have a new piece of gear as well. Yeah. About um, so a lot of folks are tuned into Andrew Marlin these mm-hmm. days. What a great musician! Wow. What a great, great musician! Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I bought his old uh, Gilchrist. Wow, that's great, man. I love it. It's it's it's, it's a spectacular mandolin. I bet. Uh, that's awesome. And, How and long ago did you get that? I got it in January or February, I think. Nice. 
Yeah. It was, a, was uh, you knew he was together. selling it, or you uh, say, say, say it again. Do you knew so? Was it like you knew he was selling it and kind of had like, hey, I'll, you know, I had it? been he, I had been talking him into keeping it. Oh no, kidding! Because <laughs> I love it so much, but and and then he had decided to keep it for a while, and then he got the bug to try and sell a bunch of things and buy a lower. Yeah, which <laughs> is what he did. Yeah, yeah, I saw that as well. That's awesome. So, well, and what was your uh, yet? Uh, was it a nugget before that? I, I do have a nugget. A nugget. Okay, yeah. And, and I and I sold this old black, um, um, this black A style Gilchrist that I used to have. I mm-hmm. sold that, which was awesome, and I and it was a really cool mandolin. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Things change. Relationships sure. change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What draws you to the A style? I never really bought into the idea that um, the F versus the A was was inherently different. Like whenever I saw, say, Steffi, mm-hmm. uh, we used to run into him a lot on the road. And sometimes you'd have an A, sometimes you'd have an F. And it was like, it always sounded like Steffi. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. and, and, and and the idea of like, if you put on uh, like Ray Legier or something, mm-hmm. uh, that guy, he just sounds like a fantastic mandolin player. He doesn't sound like a fantastic mandolin player who plays an A style. It just sounds like a burning mandolin player. Right. So right. I never, I never really heard you know, I never bought into the idea, so it felt to me, it never felt really crucial to have an F. Sure. And and that gill was great. And this nugget, man, it's one of the best mandolins I've ever played. It's really great. That's awesome. Uh, so, like, the, the idea that it, you know, obviously the scroll was beautiful, and I and I, I remember looking at those Grisman records being like, wow, what, just visually beautiful, mm-hmm. little, you know, in addition to the music. And that's cool. There's a lot of, like mystique around that but i it was never a must-have kind of thing sure for me sure that's awesome i love uh there's nothing better than um speaking of manly cafe forum like a versus f is the best <laughs> like 17 pages <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh my goodness what type of um what about picks and strings and all that good stuff so i i have this well actually he just graduated but what like one of the the best students to pass through Berkeley in a long while mm-hmm. is Ethan Satiawan. Oh, he kind of, yeah. Yeah. He's a spectacular musician. Uh, and he, he talked me into going back to the Wigan. So I'm using the Wigan pick. I've been using blue chip for quite a while, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> you know, I think it sounds better. I do too. I've also, um, I've gone through a bunch of blue chip picks and I still have a few in my case, but I just love the Wigan pick. I, I love the way yeah. it feels. I love the tone it produces. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. And I love the, I mean, I the blue chip picks are great too. You know, I'm, I, I, I bought plenty of them, <laughs> you know? Sure. Sure. Um, likewise. Yeah. Um, which weekend do you use? What is it? I, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a triangle or a teardrop? Or oh a... yeah. It's a triangle. One, okay. You yeah. Know, yeah. The mandolin shape, yeah. Quote unquote, but, but yeah. I don't remember the weight. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I don't know. If I, I've definitely had 140s and 120s, but I, that's what I've got. Yeah, they're both in my case and I'm not sure which ones I grab. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like at some point I'm like, huh, I don't think that's the same one. Do you still find yourself, though, <laughs> buying picks every now and again? Just like some, you know, like, wow, oh, what about this? Not really. Really? Nice. You know, to me, like, you know, the whole idea of trying to have control on the instrument or, or like getting as close to possible, mm-hmm. close to as possible of the idea of like a semblance of control. To me, I want as few variables as possible. Sure. Uh so even like actually changing from a broken in weekend to a new one mm-hmm. is disorienting. Yeah. So absolutely. I, I made the mistake I, of making pick scrape noises 
uh, right, right. during a song one time uh, just a few weeks ago, and it kind of scraped the pickup. And just right, like right. I, my case was, you know, n- not nearby, and I didn't have another pick in my pockets or anything like that. And I had to play the rest of that set with that pick, and it was driving me bananas. <laughs> totally. Yeah, absolutely. And then I had to switch to that <laughs> pick that I've been playing for, you know, for months, and had to go to a, you know, what was like a brand new pick. And I'm like, oh, geez. Oh, right, gotta right. think before I do this stuff sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so like, like to me, it's like I'm trying to be as consistent as possible about where the action is, the mm-hmm. exact same strings, the yeah. exact same pick, because because even within that, you know, standardization of variables, every day it's different. Right. What type of strings you know, do you use? The Diodarios, the, the J74s. You oh, know? Okay. Yeah. Yep. You it's used... hard. To, it's hard to beat the way those sound. Yeah. Do you use coded or not? I don't. Yeah. Yep. Just end up changing them all the time yeah yeah that's uh with living in charleston i had to go to the coded and um and now you know my ear is kind of like ah, i don't mind this when i put a fresh set on but it definitely took me a little while of like um getting used to that they're just they're, they're pretty bright right off the right off the sure, bat sure sure but man they last you know i play a lot of um, the humidity here is like a hundred percent always <laughs> you know <laughs> and uh you know uh, i would say 50 percent of my gigs are outdoors and Whoa. yeah yeah have, the one i have tonight is outdoors it was 100 degrees when i was driving earlier on Whoa. my uh, truck thermometer so it's going to be a scorcher um but you know it should be down to the mid 80s <laughs> by the time we uh by the time we set up but it's going to be hot but those strings, wow. you know, those strings definitely hang in there and give me um, uh, a lot more life than than totally, any totally. other ones. So you, do you like uh, high action, low action? What do you? Uh, you have great tones, so it's thank it'd you. Be, it'd be interesting you know, to hear. Yeah, I don't like it very high. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan keeps it a lot higher, um, and Jake. I think that's because he likes Jake so much. Jake, oh, yeah. of course, kept it really high. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that in my playing because I don't play that hard and mm-hmm. and and. So it's, you know, I've gone through phases where I kept it as low as possible, but that's not the case anymore. I think, I think when it's at the lowest possible, you lose uh, some some crucial aspects of uh, being able to dig in that helps playing faster. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you want when you play live? Do you use a do you use a mic traditionally, or do you plug in? You know, I finally broke down and bought one of those old KM84s. Uh, you know what? I David Benedict and I talked about that on the very first podcast. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah. he was like, uh, I got a new one, and Joe's got one of the older ones, and we were compared doing a mic shootout the uh, I think the night before the podcast actually. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's they awesome. Sound, I mean, they both sound great. They're 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 definitely distinguishable, and but they're both great. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great though. Would you do a eBay reverb? Do you have a spot a secret? Somebody. Spot some old studio friend turned me on to some i can't remember what it is some 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 vendor online but nice. you know i didn't really want to wander around blind and luckily somebody vetted it for me oh that's good yeah that's yeah. the tough part especially with any sort of gear online any longer and the totally. the ability to trust anyone totally so uh what's what's new for you you teach at peghead nation which um which is sponsoring this podcast actually today by the way, but before <laughs> before they sponsored it, I've been I've I've had a uh, a membership to it now for probably a year and a half. I would say. Oh, cool! I love it. Um, I don't use it nearly as much as I probably should. Um, but I love I bounce between yours and John Reichman's uh, oh, cool. lessons all the time, and I love uh, both. You have like a, a different teaching style, but um, sure. I really enjoy like uh, 
um, I would a lot of times before I would work on it, like I would go to the gym and when I was on like a, an elliptical or a treadmill or whatever, I'd watch you break it down and go over the things before I came home and started working on it. <laughs> you know, because like, yeah. it was like, oh, yeah, man, this is going to make, you know, however long, 20 minutes fly by or. That's cool. Yeah. Warm up to the idea. Yeah. And um, so how do you go about transcribing like those tunes that you decide to teach on there? Obviously, you've probably played some of them for a long time. Yeah. It's funny because like once you go to teach something, you actually want want to like like if i was going to record something or or, or call it on a gig mm-hmm. knowing it to a certain level of of specificity is fine right right and right. like it's even maybe even better to, to be interpreting from the start when you're on a gig or or a or a record but when you go to teach you actually really want to have a solidified concrete you know uh idea of what's going on and, mm-hmm. and where it came from and so to me like i i, I raised the bar a lot for myself on that one saying I want to know exactly every single note of whatever recording and, and cause I feel like, I, th- I feel like that's, that's where you should be if you're going to teach something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. And I love, I also loved on like the certain tunes and I, maybe Cuckoo's Nest I'm, and I'm not sure if that's the one, but I think you kind of even maybe took a few versions and even taught it. I, I, I hope that's the right, right one. There's definitely one on there. There was like, you know, it was, here's more of a traditional way of playing it. And, sure. And, sure, you know, sure. Like maybe how like Thiele or some new, Oh no, it's new Camptown races, maybe. Oh man, that's a cool example. Yeah, because to me, like that's a great example. Because like you know, basically, we've all played it and mm-hmm. we can all kind of get our get our way through the song. But then at some point, like if somebody said, "Hey, what's the melody?" Right. Like, what's actually the melody? Yeah. I would I would struggle to answer that. It, you know. Yeah. So it was cool to go back and 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 do a bunch of homework and check out what Frank was doing on these various recordings. Mm-hmm. And 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 one of the things one of the revelations through doing all that work with Peghead is you start to realize, you know, like, for example, I, I was, I was learning some Tim O'Brien tunes to mm-hmm. teach and I had, I, I learned it as good as I could. And there was just one question I emailed him and I was like, Hey man, is this the note? And he's like, Oh, you got it. You got it. You got it really close, but uh, it's just a little different. And then every time he played the tune in his recording for me, uh-huh. it was different from the last time. <laughs> 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 Which, I was like, man, is he messing with me? But, <laughs> but what I took away is like, and like, I think it's the same with that, with that Frank Wakefield tune is mm-hmm. like, there's inherently looseness. Yeah. Uh, or like, if you listen to, um, you know, Lonesome Fiddle Blues and Vassar playing it. Oh yeah. It's, it's always different. Mm-hmm. So then you start to realize that the, the definition of a tune is maybe uh, just the underlying structure in a sense. Right. And then, and, and then see what the options are around that. Yeah, and that's you know that's one thing I love about like um like bluegrass and and, and live shows in particular is like you know if uh if I, it, it makes you want to go to a show or go see live music because they really do oh. stray from a recording which is exactly totally. what I want like if I want to hear well, what's the point of leaving my house if I just wanted to hear you know Manzanita you know for instance or anything just note for totally. note why well, I, I get that at home my what I'm excited to see is what they do with it live where they take totally. it you know. So that's yeah, awesome. Completely agree. Awesome. Well, just to, I know you got to get rolling here pretty quickly, but so one thing I try to ask, I have two questions left for you, if that's all right. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the first one is, if you had ten minutes to pick up the mandolin today to to play something, what would you what would you do to work on? Could be anything. Yeah. Lately, I'm just trying to continue to focus on the right hand. So mm-hmm. um, there's the John Moore exercises. There's the the exercises that. Uh, Oh, what the heck? I, I forgot his name for right now. Um, but various, various uh, 
uh, open string and, and string crossing exercises. Mm-hmm. To me, like the string crossings are like the crux of the mandolin. So yeah. it's usually, if I'm being responsible, that's what I'm working on. That's awesome. The John Moore exercises are tough. <laughs> yeah, those ones. In and a then, good way. Um, they're great. They're great. And, and, and of course, Mike's finger busters. And then, yeah. and then Maddie Whitler teaches a workshop on, on how they practiced uh, string crossings. And that's really valuable. Really? So, is that yeah. available anywhere or is that something you have to kind of have to go to a camp for? I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Somebody gave it to me from a workshop. Oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. And then um, beer. It is Mandolins and Beer podcasts. <laughs> do you have a uh, do you have a favorite beer right now that you kind of that you that you enjoy? You know, yeah, I, I think of I think of your city and and I, I mostly live in Portland, Maine. I'm just in Boston for about a year or two, uh, and I think we're kind of sister cities. Uh, and, and 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 so to me, Portland. I don't know if it's Charleston is a great beer city, but Portland's a great beer city. It's a uh, yeah. There's over twenty twenty plus breweries in Charleston now. Wow! Yeah, wow. I gotta get down there, dude. Yeah, come on, I'll take you on. I'll take you on a personalized beer tour. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, man, for sure. I'll I'll, I'll yeah, show you all the right places, man. <laughs> well, it's a good time to drink in, in Portland. I'll return the favor up there. It's, there's a there's a um, Algash White is probably the one that most people know, and mm-hmm. that one's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. And then there's a brewery that popped up in my neighborhood called Rising Tide, which is which is great. Um, it's it sounds like a gimmick, but it's actually great. They have this beer called Pisces that uh, has a little seawater in it. Really? And it's I'm into the salt these these days. And yeah. It's a salty beer. And really? It's, it's delicious. Oh man, I wonder if they uh, <laughs> do you know if they distribute that? Is that anything they can, or is that maybe just like a local thing right now? I'm gonna have to do some research they, on that. They they do can it. So yeah, I could I could I could I can mail you some Pisces. Man, I would be uh, the secret on that. I'll, I'll tell you that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome, man. That sounds really interesting. I'm pretty stoked. When I first started, so a while ago, and I don't know if you even remember, but a while ago you had emailed me. I was doing a thing called Five Questions, where I was just reaching out to mandolin players and just like here's five questions about random stuff, and I would put it on like a mandolins of beer thing and. Um, the whole time when I started that initially was like, I just wanted to get a mandolins and beer, beer eventually brewed. And there's a, actually a oh, brewery yeah. here in Charleston that's that's doing one. Um, oh, man, cool. I'm stoked. And they're doing like a uh, like a regular version, a nitro version, and a barrel-aged version. So I'm like, man, this is awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So That's great. Yeah, man. I'd love to try that Pisces. That sounds interesting. Seawater. That's great. <laughs> It's pretty good. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Well, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. I look forward to listening to the other episodes. 